We see the darkened inside of a police station as a man sits over a blaring computer screen, his face illuminated by the grainy black and white footage that loops over and over on his screen. As we look closer, we see a man with jet black hair and a leather jacket in the black and white screen slammed out of the way by a swinging door, and a woman in a smart skirt but grandpa shoes jump back in surprise. Out of the door comes a hulking figure, hardly distinguishable among the rest of the pixels, but behind that runs a blur, a figure the officer takes as a cat, tearing out of the warehouse. The man in the leather jacket very clearly assaults the new arrival with a security baton, though the officer is surprised to see the giant take it without much notice. The woman runs up to help and takes a swipe at the giant man's head. Damn, that guy was strong, though, the officer thinks, lifting her off the ground by the shoulders. A scuffle ensues, and eventually the man in the leather jacket lights the guy on fire. The woman runs off, and the tape ends. It couldn't have been the whole story, the detective thinks. Who was the guy who died? They hadn't received any missing person complaints. And why did the tape end before the warehouse burned down? But either way, the detective thought, it's not okay to light a man on fire. He rewound the tape, then paused as the woman turned to run. He recognized that face. Anyone on Twitter would. It was that news anchor who got fired. It was Molly Malficaro. He picked up the phone to send out the call. And welcome to another episode of Molly's Monsters. My name is Mick Dickinson, and I'm your keeper. And I'm Susan Dickinson, and I'm Molly. We're recording this bit a little bit before our our special guest star shows up. Uh, And by that, I mean like 18 hours before that. Uh, But we thought it'd be fun to kind of get started uh, without her so she doesn't have to sit around for too long. In case I have not or do not mention it enough, all of the uh, music, unless otherwise noted, for this podcast comes from Louis Zong. You can find him on Bandcamp and SoundCloud and all that good stuff at Louis Zong. That's L-O-U-I-E space Z-O-N-G. Uh, he has very, very cute, very short music and is also a very good artist. He, he does a lot of all sorts of stuff. He has a video on YouTube that is potentially my favorite video on YouTube, and it is of two singing ghosts called ghost duet and it's very very adorable it's the cutest thing so we should get into it here i think we will be featuring a guest star here coming up the guest star will be katie she uh works with me at my high school and she will be playing the part of a person whose name i don't know yet so that should be pretty fun molly it is the, the next morning from when you saved Carmela Sweet from brown, Broken Brown Arrow. You come into work. The, uh, uh, you come into work. It was a bit of a long night as the witches talked your ear off. Remember, you had a bit of a slumber party aspect, uh, except for Mary Beth Runningwater, who left early, the, the head witch, uh, who did not appreciate your violent tendencies, even though you did not strike a single person throughout the entire adventure. I saved the day. I don't know what her problem is. But eventually, they settled down and made themselves comfortable in your office. You left to go home and sleep uh, while they kind of remained there and cast sleep spells on themselves. 
Uh, as you returned this morning, you found them gone, and with a nice handmade note of thanks on the desk, no dirt, no no leftover cauldrons or wands or anything like that. It reminds you to let them know if there's anything you need. I tuck the note into my notebook, just in case. Just in case. Arthur shouts from the next remover, Ollie! <sighs> I don't know if I'm Molly. ready for this. What? Get over here. Let's let's debrief. Okay, fine. My feet are covered in blisters. I'm really tired. From your good shoes? And kind of crabby. Yeah, I did a lot of running around last night in weird parts of the city. No, you didn't. You took an Uber. Okay. Well, theoretically. Um, emotional blisters. Emotional blisters. Okay. Okay. So I slouch into Arthur's office, hiding behind my coffee mug. And he, he's looking a little bit worse for wear. You remember that he picked you up. He had been drinking a little bit. So he looks a little worse for wear. And he's like, oh, I, I tell you, you get those magic potion edibles and they fix you up then, but you pay for it later. He says, kind of drinking a big cup of coffee. Clearly, you don't look so good today. Okay, wow. Drink some water. Dis- dissolve that salt you got in your system here. <laughs> We're just getting going. I mean, it's, ugh, it's 9.30 a.m. It's way too early. For a paranormal investigator. This is like three in the morning. <laughs> okay, so are we going to talk about last night? Because I have some questions. If I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Yes, yes, yes. Let's let us let us debrief. Uh, big, big, big picture first. What, what, I did not get a lot out of you last night. Skeletons. Big ones. Okay, that's pretty big picture, I suppose. But, uh, you know, the kidnapping, uh... Okay, There's well, a kidnapping, right? Yes, there was a kidnapping. We figured all of that out. But what I'm immediately concerned about right now, Arthur, is the skeletons. Are there more of them? I mean, I don't want to alarm you, Molly, but there's one inside you right now. Okay, Arthur. I meant, are there going to be other ones that spring out of the ground? Dog, I, I, Molly, I'm sorry, I, I don't know. This is a paranormal investigative supernatural Pinedale services services. Oh, God. Oh, okay. This is a paranormal supernatural investigative service, right? There, there's all sorts of different stuff that can and will and have and should not, and you have to stop it from happening. All right, fair. I also wanted to tell you, do you remember the cat? Uh, the cat that escaped from the warehouse? Yeah. I saw the cat again. Really? Yeah. How, did you get it? Did you catch it? Did you kill it? No, I was a little distracted. There was a lot happening. There were witches. One of them was kidnapped. There was a giant skeleton. My roommate showed up. No, I did not get the cat. I did not kill the cat. Arthur leans back in his chair and kind of rubs on his eyebrows a little bit. He goes, Molly, how many times do I have to tell you, like, that cat's the big deal? I know, it all happened so fast. All of a sudden it was there, and then it wasn't there, and then we had to go. Oh, ooh, fine. Okay, We're, we'll keep an eye out for the cat, but there's a there's a cult, Nolly, in, in Pinedale, apparently. Yeah, there's a cult. They kidnapped one of the witches, but we got her out. Um, Lilith was amazing. And the whole time, Arthur, she just looked so stylish. Like, I know. She, oh her story gosh. was fantastic. Did she get that on her story? Well, oh, my gosh. I haven't even watched it yet. But Do I show up on there? Oh, my gosh. I'm going to be famous. Molly, you're already famous. I wouldn't want to appear on social media any more than you already have. You're you're known 
quite quite a few times for your... Did you really have to bring that up again, Arthur? Listen, I'm sorry. Anyway, back to the cult. So there's the cult. Um, what are we going to do about it? I don't know, man. You're the... In- I mean, we'll do some investigating, I guess. You've been here working here, what, like a week? Usually finding a cult takes at least a month, but you've already unearthed one in one week. So clearly I have some aptitude for this position. Yeah, it, it, you're doing pretty good. I, I, I always believed in <clears throat> you. Uh, but I, it strikes me, we, we never did call the police. We probably should have done that. I suppose that would have been a good thing to do, what with the fireworks and the firearms that were present, neither of which were probably that legal. That brings up a good point, actually, Arthur. What exactly is our relationship with the police? Listen, I'm not going to say they know about me as much as I know about them, but I know about them. So in these kinds of situations, do we call them? Well... I mean, Molly, we, we get the witch out of there, so, or the zombies, or the dead cat out of the situation, and then, yeah, we call the police, and there's a guy with a gun. Okay, so basically what you're saying is we clear up all of the paranormal situations, and then call the police to take care of all of the non-paranormal situations. Some might call it normal. I don't think there's any such thing as normal anymore, Arthur. hey But I suppose... Since we didn't call the police then, we might as well head over to the warehouse. Uh, let's drive over there, see what's left. I They had to have packed up the whole racket once the witch is out of there. They they lost their ace in the hole, thanks to you, Molly, so thank you. Uh, plus, Roman's off assignment. He'll he'll come with us. Uh, he'll, he'll provide some backup and some support. How's that sound? Okay, sounds good. Okay, so you uh, go down into the... the you got down the fancy, fancy elevator into the not-so-fancy Hall of Records with their reel-to-reel and manila folders, and Arthur's like, uh, it's only been a week, but I, I promise I'm getting this uh, uh, cleared up. Uh, you pull out of the, the Pinedale Investigative Underground uh, lot in the Arthur's company car. Uh, Roman comes with you. Hey, how's it going? He says. I heard you unearthed the cult. That's, that's no small potatoes. I mean, I'm a pretty big deal now, Roman. Okay, that's not that big potatoes either. <laughs> Believe me, I my name's Roman, I'm Irish, so I know a thing about potatoes. Uh, you get into the, the company car and you drive a couple blocks west, uh, hook a, a, a turn south, and you are headed down kind of a major road over Lincoln Island where you see the, the marble courthouse that sits on Lincoln Island. Uh, you don't know how they got it to stand up on what is basically just a... a, a sand what do they call it when it's a uh, uh, sandbank a sandbank a sandbar that's basically just a glorified sandbar is lincoln island and there's a there's a public works administration depression era courthouse on it it's insane uh but as you pass by you see that n- nothing's too busy it's nine in the morning you know there's a couple people in suits moving here and there but you you continue on you pass the old town where you you had originally met lilith you originally solved or uh went to the halloween shop to find the the stolen goods and then you head back to the atlas warehouses uh, as you look down the river uh, from the bridge over Lincoln Island, and as you are coming closer, you can see across the green space that there are no barges, empty or full, in front of the warehouses like they were last night. A quick check to the side street as you pull up closer reveals no uh, broken Highlanders with bone golem-shaped dents in the side. Everything is perfectly clean and cleaned up as if it were all a dream. 
there there's no sign of a struggle last night uh you managed to find a couple brown patches in the grass where uh lilith's mud had landed instead of grass uh arthur pulls up to the warehouse pulls up to a stop and with the check to make sure his phone and his gun are still attached very dad-like to his hip he's got one of those Mm. dad cell phone hosters he begins jaywalking across the street into the uh the warehouse checks both ways and everything suddenly with a whoop the cop car appears and lights flashing a young blonde police officer steps out arthur kind of throws his hands up in the air and goes oh come on really for for jaywalking he says tucking his hands nonchalantly into his pants to hide his holster <laughs> uh the cop goes no sir though you shouldn't you shouldn't do that either i'm here for her he says and points at you molly you're molly Malificam, right you're under arrest along with your friend right here he says nodding at roman um i look I I I am completely taken aback. I look at Roman with raised eyebrows. What what did you do? Roman kind of has his eyes darting side to side. He goes, I, I didn't. I've been on assignment, but they they I'm too good. They wouldn't catch me. But maybe we should get back in the. And then as he's kind of his eyes are darting side to side, and the cop is kind of approaching. Three more cop cars pull up, each whooping whooping and flashing their lights. Please, ma'am, come with us. taken to the Lincoln Island courthouse with a stewing Roman in the hard plastic seat next to you, handcuffed. It's a short, quiet ride since Roman is too angry to speak, although you can hear him growl occasionally. As the car stops, you are quickly separated and taken through different entrances into the courthouse. The courthouse itself is beautiful over there on Lincoln Island. Uh, the pristine example of the Public Works Administration building during the Great Depression, the building is all marble, tarnished brass, and oil painting of paintings of mean-looking white men. Heavy oak benches sit next to heavy oak doors built into heavy oak frames. The floor at your feet is light pine, and you wonder just how many logging jobs this one courthouse created in Pinedale's forests. Or how much erosion. Despite all this beautiful architecture, though, the trash bins are overflowing and more than a couple gum wrappers and stray office papers litter the floor. You're escorted up a a couple floors to the offices. How How are you feeling right now? I'm feeling extremely confused and also very nervous that they've separated Roman and I because I want to make sure that we somehow get our story straight. Uh, sorry, a man says as you enter this this extra office. Uh, there are hardcover law books all over and a long oak, uh, long table. It's oak, naturally. Uh, he says, we do, we'd usually take you to the police station for holding and questioning, but there's this big frat party busted at Cascadia State last night. You do not want to be in those holding cells right now, he says. Not every accused criminal comes to the courthouse, so I guess consider yourself lucky. Uh, what is this? CSI? You'd usually follow the rules, but not today. He's a handsome guy, probably just over 30. He might as well be out of central casting for young police officer, with the stubble and hair that was just beginning to gray at his temples, even as it remained perfectly combed. I'm Detective Carlos Miranda, ma'am. I'll, I'll take, care from, 
I'll pick it from here, officer, he says to the cop who paraded you through. With a nod, the cop unlocks your handcuffs and leaves. Um, I take a seat in front of Carlos Miranda. Oh, he said, oh, oh yes, take a seat. Thank you. Uh, Miss Maleficarum, you're not under arrest, not yet, but I've got a partner questioning your stern-looking friend right now, and you you don't want us to switch. Detective, Car- Detective Terry can be a lot less pleasant than me. So why don't you pour yourself a glass of water and, and let's get started. Okay, I pour myself a glass of water and look at him expectantly. Okay, and he says, so what were you doing a week ago? A week ago, you were at the warehouse with the cat and mummy. Um, well, technically, uh, just about a week ago, I was a newscaster and I got fired from my job. Yes, he says. I, I, I saw that. It was a, uh, uh, <clears throat> I mean, that's tragic for you. I'm sorry that you got fired. Uh, but I saw it a couple times. Um, but no, what were you doing a week ago? Pretty much, and he looks at his watch. He goes, I don't know why I looked at my watch. It doesn't have the date on it, but a week ago today. Um, I had just started a new position, and we, my supervisor had taken me to a warehouse, and we were checking through some materials at the warehouse. So this, this supervisor, is that the man you were arrested with? Um, no, it is not. So there's another person at that warehouse. Yes. Interesting, he says, and begins taking notes. So what happened at, at this warehouse? Um, we were just doing some... Just checking out some of the things that were stored in the warehouse. Um, we didn't really find anything that interesting, and that was pretty much the day. Miss Moff Grammy says, Please tell me the truth. Um, I'm getting very sweaty because I don't know how much this man knows about Pinedale Investigative Supernatural Services, and I don't know how much to tell him. He sees you getting very sweaty, and he says, listen, you're apparently very nervous. I'll give you a second to calm down. I need to go make a call anyway, and he leaves the room. What do you do? Uh, do I have my cell phone with me? No. Uh, Um. By the way, in case you don't remember, Arthur was not arrested. Yes, I do remember. You and Roman were arrested. Yes. But I don't have any means of contacting Arthur. Nope. So you're in this law office. You you have had your basically like gear taken away. Uh, luckily, they they did license you for the gun that you had, uh, so that is good. You you do have a firearm license. Um, but the the gun, the brass knuckles that you have, uh, you're allowed to keep your jacket and everything like that. But other than that, you are weaponless and you're in this law courtroom. Do you want to take a look around or anything? Maybe roll some dice uh... in this RPG podcast. Yeah, I will take a look around and see if I can find anything that would indicate if Carlos Miranda knows anything about the supernatural. So you might be investigating a mystery or reading a bad situation. Up to you. Probably investigate a mystery. Yeah, that sounds good. So roll 2d6 and add sharp. And we... Oh. Oh. No, dude, what would you get? I got a 4 plus 1 is 5. So that's a... I believe you get to hold 1, correct? When you... when Because that, that's a mixed success. Or okay. no, that is a failure? I think I should have reread the rules before we played. <clears throat> Maybe. Shut up. Um, on a seven to nine, what'd you get? Six? A five. A five. So, no, you look around and there is just nothing. This is, what you see is like a lawyer's, it's not even like a single lawyer's office. It is just like a communal office for the courthouse lawyers. So you're kind of like drumming your hands on the table. 
By the way, to our podcast listeners, I want to inform you that we have stuffed the box that we rolled dice in with paper towels. You're welcome for your ears. Uh, the officer, or Detective Miranda, comes back in, and he kind of uh, has an extra cup of coffee in his hands, and it is uh, steaming, and he says, listen, uh, my other partner, Officer Giddy, or, uh... Terry. Officer Terry, thank you. And he says, no wonder I need this coffee. And he kind of lifts it up. Because uh, Dickinson forgot. Um, Officer Terry is, is not a nice guy, but he's been talking to your friend, Rome, uh, Mr. Giorgio, over in the other room. And he's, he's told us everything. So it's probably in your best interest to just spill it. I am absolutely convinced that Roman has not confessed anything. But I don't know what else to do, so I cave. Okay, so what do you do? Um, well, about a week ago, things in my life took a really interesting turn, and I started working for the Pinedale Investigative Supernatural Services. He barely manages to keep the coffee in his mouth. He goes, I'm sorry, Pinedale Investigative? Supernatural Services. Is this like the National Enquirer, or...? Yes. Um, you sound I, very convinced, he says. <laughs> no, I, I mean, we're not related to or we're not, you know, in cahoots with the National Enquirer. But, you know, there are some people that really believe Molly, in the Molly, supernatural. I'm going to stop you right there. Can I call you Molly? Yeah. I think we've established a relationship here. Right? Okay, go ahead and call I'm me I'm trying Molly. to help you out. So, who is the guy that came out of the warehouse... Why did Mr. Giorgio hit him in the back of the head with the security baton? We've got videotape of this. Who was the guy that was in there? I don't know who he was. I don't know who he was. We were sent to go investigate the warehouse. By who? By my supervisor. I don't know who informed him. The third man, okay. And... So this... I mean, I've got this all on videotape, of course. <clears throat> but when did you burn down the warehouse? Was it after you dispatched the guy? Because I saw Roman light the guy on fire. Did I was not responsible for the burning down of any warehouses. The warehouse very clearly is burned down. And you light a guy on fire outside of it and you expect me not to believe. Okay, but we didn't do it intentionally. There were just some things happening that were really hard to explain. I will remind you, stepping out of the fiction here for a second, you left with that warehouse intact. Yeah. Okay. So, he says, so, let me help you out here. You light the guy on, no, Roman lights the guy on fire. It's all Roman's fault when you think about it, so. And then guy stumbles back into the warehouse, maybe some oily rags, some tinder, and it just lights up. Look, all all I know is that when I left, and Roman left with me, the warehouse was not on fire. And then you see him kind of scratch his head and he's like, okay, listen, this is all pretty weird and we don't have everything on videotape. And and then you hear a knock on the door. Officer that arrested you comes in, says, CF3 wants your perp in his office for a plea deal. Miranda kind of stops. It's, it's not, I'm not done here yet. Yeah, well, you tell CF3 that, he says. Don't call him CF3, Miranda kind of reminds the officer. He 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 hates that. And then the officer leaves. He says, I'll be right there. So he looks at you, Molly, and says, if we're going to a plea deal, I guess I have to arrest you, and I have to give you my rights. 
Uh, oh jeez! <laughs> he says, "Listen, this job needs all the the help it can get." And so he he turns you around, he puts the handcuffs back on you, but like nicely, and says, "You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be hold, held against you in a court of law. Uh, you have the right to an attorney. If an attorney cannot be provided for, you, or if you cannot afford an attorney, one will be provided." I'm sorry, I'm just shaking up. This is earlier than I was thinking, and he finishes the Miranda rights that I thought I knew, but I don't. Okay. Uh, so, after Detective Miranda fastens the handcuffs back onto you, you're taken downstairs through the main hallways. As people there are paying tickets or fulfilling legal observation quotas for their university, uh, they shoot looks, looks at you. Molly, you hear, oh, Molly from Alpha for Karen, blah, 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 blah. And sometimes, like, blah, 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 Twitter videos, blah, 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 blah. So you kind of hear people recognizing your face. Uh, but with a, a, a quick left, you turn down a less well-traveled hallway, which you can tell because there's a lot less litter down this one. Uh, at the end, a court bailiff awaits and ushers you into the room. Inside, you see a gigantic mahogany desk. It stands out from all of the other oak because mahogany doesn't grow in Oregon. Uh, that's, a, that's a far trip for wood to go. An older man in a golf polo sits behind it and turning from one of the chairs made of green leather that only ever appears in lawyers' offices, is a white-haired man in a three-piece suit. The man in the suit stands up. Uh, Good morning, Miss Malfrakarum, he says. I'm Charles Fitzemmerhugh III, and I'm here to discuss what sort of deals we can make to speed this along. He says, Roman is pushed roughly through the door behind you. Oh, good, Fitzemmerhugh says. Mr. Giorgio, now we can begin. Usually this would be done without a judge present, but... His Honor, Taney Myers, uh, wants to make sure this state was justly recompensed. And the judge kind of like nods. <laughs> quite right, quite right. Uh, so basically, we'll lay it out. You plead guilty for the assault and arson. You were caught on tape and ran a kind of... <clears throat> you can tell he's not comfortable with that mm -hmm. sort of statement. Uh, you were caught committing, and, and we'll guarantee you only six months. Pretty guilty, and you only get six months. It's a very nice deal. Uh, and then the judge goes, <clears throat> six, well, six months. <laughs> and then the, the prosecutor, eight, eight months. Uh, eight months. You try and go to court and not plead guilty, Miss Malfacarum and Mr. Giorgio, and... Judge Myers and I will be sure to get you the max. It's in your best interest to plead guilty right here. Says. And, uh, but dear boy, I'm, I'm quite sure I can find more than the max, the judge says. How are you, How is Molly feeling right now? Um, Molly kind of wants to roll her eyes at the idea of more than the max. Because there's no way to do more than the maximum. Uh, but otherwise, it's feeling extremely nervous and very pressured. And right. I keep trying to catch Roman's eye. Okay. And then the, the, the prosecution looks at you and says, So, uh, what do you say, old sport? Should we get this deal made? I look helplessly at Roman. Roman is too angry to say anything. You can, like, hear the teeth grinding. And finally he goes... Don't we get a lawyer or something? Uh, I look at Carlos Miranda and I say, you let me know that I have the right to a lawyer. I, I would like a lawyer present. Ugh. And the judge like, ugh, rolls his eyes and the prosecution rolls his eyes and the judge says, this public defender that you're going to get, he's, he's worse than this janitor. Look at my office. There's so much trash in the hallways. 
I guess that's what you get from uh, uh, hiring ex-cons. They're so untrustable. He says. And then the prosecution says, no, no. If, if I'm not going to provide the full extent of the law, then my name isn't Charles Fitzemahue III. And then uh, um, they send an officer, he ducks in the, the courtroom and comes back with a, I want to say like, take Bernie Sanders' hair and Albert Einstein's hair combined. Uh, that A guy with that, but jet black, just sticking straight out of his head. Okay. And he's like, <clears throat> oh, yeah, uh, uh, Clarence Gideon, um, I'm here as your public defender. Um, Mary, I got to tell you, just take the deal. It's Molly, actually. Molly, I'm sorry. I got like 7,000 cases. It They seem to have a lot of evidence on you. Um, at least uh, I've been told. They don't um, have evidence. They, it's not on camera. We didn't set the building on fire. You set a building on fire? We did not set the building on fire. Oh, uh, they don't have that on tape. And he kind of rubs at his temple. He's like, oh, God. Listen, there's literally a trial going on in that courthouse right now that I'm supposed to be doing. Just take the deal and I'll, oh, God. And he just... He's, he's always out of breath. Uh, don't I get a phone call? Boom! And you hear a gigantic boom from the courthouse. Inside the courtroom, and everybody stands up, including Roman, still in handcuffs, and runs through the door. Because there's a, a, this is like the judge's chambers. There's a, a door that runs into the courthouse. Uh, do you follow him? Mm-hmm. So, Molly follows. Thank God, or else this adventure will be really weird. Uh, inside the courthouse, which is smaller than you, the courtroom, excuse me, which is smaller than you imagined and it has kind of like office carpet. It's less fancy than the courthouse itself, uh, is a small crowd gazing towards a coffee cup smashed on the ground, just right there smashed. And you hear the bailiff kind of, or you see the bailiff kind of perk up as Judge Myers runs into the room and goes, all right. And everyone kind of startlingly stands up. Uh, but the judge who is already at the bench looks very nonplussed that they just rose for a different judge other than him. And the bailiff looks very sheepish. Uh, standing behind one of the tables, gazing down at the cup with everyone else is, uh, well, who is it, Katie? Gal Capone. Oh, no. <laughs> so uh, if you could give us some help with a, a description so we can picture you in our mind's eye. Okay. Uh, so Gal Capone is a crooked grifter uh, who is female in nondescript clothing. <laughs> uh, with watchful eyes. Now, Katie, I've always said that about you. <laughs> I'm in nondescript clothing with watchful eyes. <laughs> you have to have watchful eyes with some of the kids we have. I think I, that's my favorite Hall & Oates song. Watchful eyes. <laughs> um, so, this is Katie. Say hi, Katie. Hi, Katie. Hey, oh. Uh, she and I teach together. She likes nerdy stuff like me. So, this is. I'm a closet nerd, though. I'm not as open about it. <laughs> yeah, well nerd stuff i don't know i don't want to be problematic um so she will be playing oh god gal capone <laughs> you laughed when i first yes i did you. don't oh, even my act goodness angry. it's like almost when somebody makes puns one of us will have to roll our eyes at the other <laughs> mostly one to the other um so gal capone you're on trial here what are you on trial for um, let's, let's be on trial for grand larceny. Grand oh, larceny. Goodness. Now for the, I obviously fully understand what larceny means and do not just accept it as a thing, but for the folks at home, what is larceny? Uh, so I stole a lot of really expensive stuff. I see. 
So, like, more thefty than theft. Yeah, like, I, I broke into a house and stole all of the uh, expensive items and then put them in, like, the the Buick and drove the Buick away. <laughs> you're Buick, kind of... naturally. I mean, larceny is a fancier word for theft because you're stealing fancier <laughs> things than yeah. normal theft. Uh-huh. So, makes sense. Uh, now I have to delete my character named Larceny. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so there's a, in the middle of this marble floor, or, uh, I'm sorry, this carpeted floor, you can see, uh, just fragments of a, a ceramic coffee cup, uh, and everyone is just staring at it, and it's like a coffee cup dropped. So as you, as everyone who is in the other office kind of comes in, Roman, what happened? What, what's the screaming? And he's still kind of handcuffed. And you hear someone per, uh, perk up from the, the crowd, and, uh, she's like, it, it just fell it moved off of the the bench no one touched it no one did anything and now it's in the middle of the floor if if it was just fell off the bench then that would have fallen you know at the bench but it's way out there i don't i don't even know i start looking around to see if i can see signs of anyone who kind of seems unnatural okay you see no one but as you look around you see uh, Arthur duck into the courthouse, looking very, pl- or courtroom, excuse me, courtroom looking very satisfied that he's found you, and he's got a, a, a kind of like a messenger, a canvas messenger bag, and he sits down and he pats his, uh, pats it and looks very pleased with himself. And then as as soon as he sits down, you don't know why, but the door's closed. Chukong! Heavier than like a normal door might slam shut. Okay, I move closer to Roman because I feel like whatever is about to happen, he's probably a pretty good person to be close to. So the the judge up front is like, listen, uh, let's get back to this. Miss Capone, uh, what do you have to say for, uh, uh, and as uh, he, he can't think of anything to say because the, the pencil on his stand, or the pen, judges probably don't use pencil, uh, the pen on his stand is beginning to kind of run across his bench. And he goes, um, so let's keep going. Uh, Bailiff, could you secure the pen and someone run out to get the janitor for this, this coffee cup in the middle of the room? So the bailiff grabs the pen and starts running or walking very calmly to the back of the doors. And then as he goes to open up, chikung, 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 he kind of looks around and he says, they're, they're, uh, these doors are done locked, he says, finding his voice very quickly. They're locked. I try to make courthouse door. I try to make eye contact with Gal because I kind of feel like something's going on with her. Uh, is my character restrained in any way? No. Like, do I have hand? I'm just like she's on. In court. She's on trial. Yeah. Okay. So you don't get handcuffed in court. Cool. It's good so to I'm, know. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to make eye contact with you. Are you looking forward or are you looking at me? Um, I'm not definitely. I'm looking backwards because I don't like the judge because okay. judges judges are little bitches. Fair. So. <laughs> I the more I look at her, the more I like this woman. <laughs> um, as as the court, uh, I'm sorry. So, oh, and he's just like trying his hardest to just move past all that stuff that's happening. Okay, Miss Capone. Now we were we were talking, and um, your your lawyer, Mister Wainwright, uh, that's not right, Gideon. <laughs> so lawyers out there, there's going to be a lot of puns, and I'm going to mix them up. Uh, Wainwright is the prosecution. I'm sorry, I messed this up. So Gideon, uh, if you could go back to your statements, and he's like, um, uh, so what I'm saying is, 
I'm sorry, I've, I've got like 10,000 things running through my mind. I can't remember them all. And Molly, as you are very awkwardly standing in this courthouse, like next to the judge where people shouldn't be, you see out the window a small shape. And this window, uh, or outside this window, this small shape is a cat staring calmly into the courthouse. It's hairless. It's, uh, uh, it's just very calmly staring in. And as you remember the exterior of the courthouse, you're like, as it goes down to the parking lot, Probably a story and a half above the parking lot, and there's a cat there. I try to very subtly so that I'm not, like, causing a scene, but I try to make eye contact with Arthur. Mm-hmm. And as we, like, connect eyes, I, like, try to point my head towards the window because I want him to, to pay attention to the cat. And so what happens is you hear some more, like, like Jurassic Park rattling while you're trying to get uh, uh, Arthur's attention, and Arthur waves you off and points at the bailiff. And you can see the bailiff coming back from the doors as he is walking to take his usual step, like place back, start slowing down and start going. Uh, and as he, as he gets even kind of into the middle of the, the TV court ha- courtroom, so he's he's between the defense and prosecution uh, tables and a couple feet away from you and Roman Molly, he he starts stopping and his his arms become more jerky and he just kind of like strains up and he goes, "All all rise, all." All rise, all, all, and as he says that, the judge says, Offer, Officer Katz, what do you, Roscoe, stop, and uh, uh, the bailiff, his eyes just glazed over, uh, unhooks his holster and takes out his pistol. What do you guys do? I'm completely unarmed at this point, correct? Yeah. You um... I don't know what, though. You could roll to understand a bad situation. You could roll to help out. You could roll to kick some ass. He is undoing his service revolver, and he's turning towards the prosecution. Okay, I'm going to roll to understand a bad situation and try to figure out what's controlling him. Okay. Four plus... You need to start rolling better. Okay, I'll work on that. There's a dude, and he seems like he is going crazy. Great. Uh, can I roll to tackle him? You certainly can. Okay. I'm going to say this is going to be a help out, uh, or act under pressure roll. Okay, so, so I roll. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that would be a seven, even. Seven total? Yeah. So I believe that is a mixed success. So you will get to tackle the bailiff, but you are going to expose yourself to greater danger. So as you tackle the bailiff, he, his, his... Uh, uh, he does not draw a bead on the prosecution, but now you're standing on top of a, a large cop and he's got a service revolver drawn and he, uh, as you are very close to this guy's face, you can see it's just totally blank. Like, he's not angry that he's been tackled. He's not surprised that he's been tackled. He is just as if he uh, is walking through a hallway uh, uh, looking at you as he begins to kind of turn this uh, pistol onto Gal. <laughs> I am going to try to help her out, and I'm going to roll to kick some ass. Kick some ass. Seven plus... Zero. So a seven, that's a mixed success, so you are going to take some harm as well, uh, but you're going to deliver some harm. So I'm going to say you're going to deliver one harm to this guy as you, like one damage is what, uh, harm is what it's called in uh, this game. To the guy or to me? To the guy. So you're going to deliver one harm to Roscoe the Bailiff. Uh, but he is going to kind of, uh, on the ground, kind of slap at you back. He delivers one harm, but since you have one armor, you're not going to actually take any. Okay. Right. Did you fill an experience for that fail roll that you had before, by the way? No. 
You should do that. Uh, so you kind of bring both handcuffed hands down on the guy's head uh, uh, and conk him a little bit, and so he he is uh, uh, incapacitated. Or he's not unconscious, but he has been stopped from doing anything too bad as of right now. And several other members of the court rush over to restrain him and take the gun away from him. In uh, the confusion, can I try to steal his keys? <laughs> um, roll for uh, act under pressure. So that's a cool roll. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's a 13. <laughs> that's a 13. So you expertly with your, with your, oh, with your deft fingers, you managed to, uh, get his gigantic <laughs> ring of keys, uh, off of his body and pocket them into the, I assume numerous pockets you have in your, and I quote, nondescript clothes. <laughs> um, as they step forward or as they restrain the bailiff, the judge, Roscoe has been working here for 30 years. I don't understand what would make him do such a crazy thing. And then a chair begins floating. And Arthur kind of stands up and he goes, Um, Judge, if I if I may, uh, hello. Um, obviously, and excuse me for the language in the courthouse, weird shit is happening. Um, so I think we better kind of put this on pause. And the judge is like, no, 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 there's nothing. Let's keep going. And you kind of hear murmurs in the, the courthouse and everything like that. And so Arthur's like, listen, I didn't want to do this, but, and he walks up to the bench and he like takes out two copies of the exact same envelope. Here's a thing from a, and he talks a lot quieter, but I have to talk a lot for the microphone. Here's a thing for the, from, excuse me, <clears throat> uh, uh, the city, um, excusing our people from today's trial. Um, and since Gal Capone has been helping us out, I'm going to include her in the um, umbrella of that. And he kind of hands it to these people, and they open the envelope, and both judges kind of look at it, and they're like, mm. they're not happy about whatever large power Arthur has managed to swing on their side, but they say, fine. Uh, Officer Miranda, uncuff uh, Miss Malficaro, Mr. Giorgio, and uh, uh, Miss Capone. Uh, for the, sh the short time, you are... Off the hook for now, says. Uh, and Arthur kind of turns to look back at the window that you're originally uh, pointing at, and the cat is gone. But what the cat, what you see now, is that the cat is sitting in one of the row seats. Um, I I'm standing next to Roman, and so I kind of like as we're getting our cuffs taken off, kind of kick at Roman's ankles. Yes, it goes, stop it! What? And then I like. Do again, like nod with my head towards the cat. And he looks around and goes, Oh, shit, that's the cat. And the cat is staring at both of you. He's like, And he's like, That's the cat. And the cat very calmly hops off the bench or off of the, the pew or whatever, you know, like the, the, the uh, audience bench, and then walks very calmly up and jumps. And cats can jump pretty high, but this mm. is like, Holy crap, high onto the judge's bench. And he turns around and he sits down. And the cat turns around and goes, I am Silat. I want to speak. The cat says in a very booming voice from this little cat mouth. I want to save this courtroom. I am here to help, he says. Save this courtroom from what? And you see a chair rise up and smash on the floor. And he says, that, the, this is obviously a supernatural center. I do not know why. I want it to end, or else all may be at risk. 
And this is from a, like, as as Gal kind of takes a closer look at this, a talking cat? Uh, <laughs> that's a movie title. Anyway, um, as she takes a closer look at this cat, she realizes it's, like, dead. Looking at this hairless <laughs> cat, it has, like, pieces missing from it and is, is slightly decayed and everything like this. But here, out of its tiny little feline mouth, is this booming sort of I am kind of voice. Um, I am going to try to get closer to... I'm going to try to get Roman and Arthur, like, in the same place so we can talk about our plan of attack. Okay, Arthur stands up from the bench and or <clears throat> from the crowd in the, this courtroom and, and walks up through the aisles and he's like, Now, if I'm not mistaken, that's that's the, the demon cat. Yep, that's that's sure the demon cat. That's the one. And the cat goes, yes, I am that cat from the warehouse. And you see kind of Miranda like stand up a little bit straighter, Officer Miranda, uh, because he's seen the video and he saw the flash. He, he assumed it was a cat. Uh, but he, he kind of ducks out back into the judge's chambers. And he says, now, if you do not take action, Pondale Investigative, I'm here to help you. If you do not take action... This entire courtroom is at risk. You included. What kind of action do you want us to take? We have to put an end to this activity. I am willing to prove to you. I am willing to take an oath. This is a courtroom after all. Take an oath to testify what I've seen and know. Gal Capone, any thoughts? Uh, Gal Capone thinks that this cat has used up all nine of its lives, and she's kind of concerned that it's at zero right now. <laughs> so the, the, uh, for some reason, the, the bailiff, who is still uh, restrained and has that very glazy look uh, on his face, cannot administer the, the oath. And so a, a interested party stands up from a crowd and goes, I want to know what's going on. And so she stands up and she, she kind of like grabs the, the Bible from the, the place where bailiffs keep it, <clears throat> wherever that is, uh, and walks forward towards the cat. She goes, I I guess put your paw, your left paw on the Bible and raise your right paw. And the cat goes, no, I don't want to touch that Bible, he says, for pretty obvious reasons, but I've looked up the law. I know it. I do not have to. I affirm it. Give me the oath. So they go through the oath, and he says, I swear, very loudly, out of this tiny little cat mouth, I will tell the whole truth, or I affirm, excuse me, I affirm that I will tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And the lady goes, so help me God. And he goes, I don't have to say that. So. Okay. Atheist demon cat. <laughs> As he, I feel like if he touched the Bible, he might explode. Yeah. Maybe. I keep that in mind, and I start moving towards the Bible to pick it up and put it in my pocket. And he, his his uh, cat face swings towards you and says, Now, Molly, since your handcuffs are no longer locked, and they, you feel your handcuffs unlock uh -huh. since he's over there, uh, do, you, do you have any questions for me? You know the best about me. These other people do not understand. See lot. Who are you and where did you come from? I am Silat. I have always been, he says, but not in this form. I am being trapped in this form. And if I do not get your help, I will always be trapped in this form. What is your normal form that you take? A sort of energy nothingness, he says, in the underworld. That doesn't sound like a good idea. No, no, I... 
so while Molly is talking to Demon Cat, uh, can I try to steal the Bible? Oh, no. She, if she wanted to take the Bible, she could have it. Oh, okay, she I had, took the Bible. Yeah, you took the okay. Bible. Um, I need, stuff is still like Jurassic Park rattling in the courtroom, but nothing major is happening currently. Listen, time is of the essence. I look at Roman and I say, I am way too new for this. What do we do here? Roman says, listen to your demon cat. I'm not here for your oaths and your affirmations. I'm here to end you. He goes, that would be a a folly, Roman Giorgio. How are you getting out of the room? The doors are locked. Don't you think that a certain demon feline would know a thing or two about that and what's going on? You've never seen a cat smile ruefully before, but now you have. Okay, so I'm assuming that if we kill the cat, the the cat is the one that's making all the things happen. So if we kill the cat, all the things will stop happening, and the door will unlock. Is the door held closed by magical means, or is it just locked from the other side? It is. You As you ta- ask yourself that question, you kind of take a look back, and you know, squinting your eyes at it, you can see a sort of shimmery glow in the oak so i have a skeleton key that can open any magically sealed (laughs) lock amazing you want a gtfo um i do but it is my job to take care of all the other people so i have to take care of this cat situation first but i am still am i correct mick in saying that i am still unarmed yes but arthur's standing next to you with a bag okay uh arthur Yes. Do you have anything in your bag that might be, I don't know, oh, useful yes. for Roman and I to have? I'm sorry. Here's your stuff. And he, he hands you an extra, uh, like the cops took it, but yeah. he, he manages to find you an extra set of those holy brass knuckles. Okay. And then he doesn't have a gun because, you know, courtroom and everything, but he has a couple other pieces of silver. Okay. So he, he has awarded you your brass knuckles back, the same ones that you've always had. And then I'm going to see, say, a two harm close silver dagger. Okay. Um, and he goes, no, Roman might not be the biggest fan of this here cat, but, you know, demons aren't necessarily, uh, well, no, they are kind of evil, but sometimes evil runs along with good ideas. And I... as far as I see it, this, this doesn't look demonic, he says. I've been working here for a while. This doesn't seem demonic. I look really closely at Arthur's eyes to see if he's, like, under any sort of influence because this looks pretty demonic, and he has also been insisting that this cat is the problem for, like, I don't know, a whole week. And so does he... Are there any signs that Arthur is under any undue influence? Roll 2d6, read a bad situation. Uh, 10 plus 1. You've got to hold 3 to ask me any of the questions on read a bad situation. Or uh, investigate a mystery or read a bad situation. I'll allow it from either one. Okay. Probably investigate a mystery, actually. Can I modify any of these questions? Minorly at best. What happened to Arthur? Nothing. I get 3? What is being concealed here? Um, as you take a look around the courtroom, you can see that nothing is, or you do not see any signs of hidden. You see, or you <clears> kind <throat> of feel power waves wafting off the cat. So I suppose whatever is inside the cat is being concealed. 
Okay, uh, this is referencing the cat. What can it do? What can a cat do? A lot, as you kind of understand it. It, okay. it, it can do a lot. It apparently phased in through the window. It is now talking. It, it does all sorts of stuff. Uh, as as Arthur is kind of handing back stuff to you and Roman uh, and taking a look towards Gal Capone and, and it's like, uh, you seem like you'd be pretty okay. And you see several shapes phase through the wall of the courtroom. Moving on from, you know, Jurassic Park rattling, you now see three semi-transparent forms uh, 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 with their hands together, kind of uh, bent over, uh, phased through the wall. I take a look at Gal and I say, all right, what you got? What can you do? <laughs> uh, is that like fighting wise or yeah, running what are, away What are wise? your skills? Here. Uh, skill? I know you have the magic key that can get us out of here, but what else are we working with? Uh, I know some cops that can get <laughs> us out of things. And... The the role of the crooked is more of a face type role, like a... Okay. Schmoozer. Okay. Typically. Or a connected. Um, these these ghosts begin to move closer. You can see one kind of check in on the bailiff and see that he's down and and rises up and it, as much as it can because it's got it looks like a humanoid that's pretty slunched over uh, and begins kind of like vibrating and you can hear a co- uh, 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 a metal water bottle vibrating on a, on a nearby desk. I am going to. I have my brass knuckles back, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I have the ones that are, like, no, it's the bullets that have the holy water. Shoot. No, your brass knuckles are holy. They are imbued with oh, cross, okay. cross symbols. So Actually, on the index finger, there's a cross. On the middle finger, there's a star of David. On the ring finger, there's a, a, a moon and a star and the symbol of Islam. And on the last one, there's a, uh, uh, like, a druidic symbol that you don't recognize. So just covering all my bases, mm-hmm. whoever yeah. happens to be Except right. Buddhist, because the Om wasn't there. Mm, true. Well, yeah, but Buddhism doesn't recognize a deity, so... And so I am going to try to catch the cat off guard and, like, punch the cat with my brass knuckles. Okay, roll, a d- roll 2d6. Eight. Eight. Plus tough. Or Minus one. So seven. So that's a mixed success. I'm going to say you catch this cat with brass knuckles and you hear like an oddly feline after all of this sort of uh, uh, flaming bush voice. You hear an oddly feline ah! uh, as you catch this on the hind leg as it tries to jump out of the way. And you hear some sizzling and it's not happy about it. And it jumps up to like the window uh, uh, curtain rod. Mm-hmm. And it goes, fool, stop. I'm trying to help. It yells. Uh, I ask it, are you the one controlling these ghosts? Yeah, and it goes, no! I'm trying to help! He says. Okay. This cat is useless. Um, well then, help! He goes, oh, the ghost just literally came through the wall! This is the first thing you've done, is hit me! And you can see the cat kind of look at the ghost and goes, and one just evaporates. So there's only two ghosts left. All right, I look at Roman and ask if he has anything in his repertoire that works against ghosts. And he takes out the same silver dagger that uh, that Arthur has just passed to him and goes, well, we can try silver. And he goes and he tries to shank one of the ghosts, but this, his arms goes through the ghost and back out again. 
So silver will not work. I assumed that that would not work. What kind of threat do the ghosts really pose to us except being scary? Okay, so that one that was vibrating, now the thing has come. Uh, the metal water bottle that was shaking flings through the air and evens and odds. Uh, comes and slams Gal Capone straight in the dome piece for one harm. So you can fill in one harm as you after you reach three. That's like you're not you're gonna get worse, not better, as time goes along, right? So this is a big old conk on the noggin. How many other people are in the room with us right now? I would say I don't ask me to name all of them, but I would say probably about a dozen. Okay. Um, you got the two cops, Mar- or no? Miranda has left into the judges' chambers. You've got uh, Officer Terry, named after Terry the Ohio. Uh, then you've got the two judges. You've got Roman, Arthur, Gal Capone, the cat, and several other witnesses in the crowd. Okay. Um, and the witnesses aren't and, doing oh, anything? And uh, public defender Gideon, Clarence Gideon, named after Gideon V. Wainwright. And also the, the prosecution, Wainwright, named after Gideon V. Wainwright. Do you know what Gideon V. Wainwright was for? The right to have a public defender. <laughs> I'm so good. You're the witnesses are terrifying. They but they're not, just like hanging yes. out. They're not trying to run. And, and basically, monster of the week witnesses are like dumbfounded constantly. That like okay. that's the role of a witness. Okay. Um, I am gonna try swinging. Like the silver didn't work, but I'm gonna see if my brass knuckles will work. So I'm gonna try like swinging okay. a punch, punch a through one of the ghosts. Molly's gonna punch a ghost. Roll two d six or kick some ass. Okay, eight minus one is seven. Okay, I'm going to say there's a mixed success where uh, you punch a ghost and you're not going to connect with both harm of the brass knuckles, but you can see it's spiritual, like the the chunk out of it, uh, uh, you take a massive chunk out of its spiritual form and as the brass knuckles, you like tear, it's sort of like flat gray away from its and it dissipates once it's it's separated. So okay. It does so the brass somehow. knuckles are effective mm-hmm. against ghosts. Yep. Unfortunately, the ghost takes both of its hands at the same time and hits you on the back as you swing through it for a harm. Okay. So Gal Capone, any thoughts? Um, Arthur's like, Miss, are you? you would you like to help? Because you see more uh, uh, with it than the rest of the witnesses. Uh, where was the witness that had the Bible that talked to the demon cat? No. Uh, I have the Bible. I or not the you. one that had the Bible. The one that like tried to like coerce the demon cat with the Bible. So tried to make the demon cat swear. It's still She's still like standing at the bench like white knuckling. Does she have a crucifix it. on that I can steal? <laughs> yeah, she does not. No. But uh, Molly, you remember that in the judges' chambers, uh, there were quite a few... Uh, Catholic symbols. Okay. I run in... Maybe you could tell. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> or you can if you want to be. Um, go, like, go to the judge's chambers. Try to find something off the wall. All right, so I'll go into the judge's chambers. Okay, you have not seen this, but there are several different pictures of mostly, like, penitent Jesus. Like, very in the middle of punishment Jesus. Uh, as well as, like, uh, flat-out bejeweled crucifix. I don't know how I feel about that. Even the crook has problems with bejeweled crucifixes. Um, I'll take a portrait of penitent Jesus and a bejeweled crucifix, okay. I guess. So the crook comes back into the courtroom <laughs> after you just see her like tear ass out, uh, holding a gigantic crucifix in one hand and a painting in the other one. <laughs> 
And I try to deck a ghost with the painting. I'm just imagining you, like, lifting it up over your head and just trying to crack it. So here's exactly what happens. She does that same exact... Oh, roll 2d6. Excuse me. I need to make sure you actually get a hit. Uh, Is this to kick some ass? This is to kick some ass, indeed. So this is tough. Oh, that, that's a three. No, that's a four. Uh, so in in uh, uh, fiction, she raises this penitent Jesus up and goes to swing it down. And uh, uh, the, the part of the picture that is Jesus uh, sticks to the ghost, but the rest of the painting continues going. And so the frame slams into the floor and breaks. And the ghost uh, hits her with both hands. And I'm going to say not for harm, but okay. you, you get a good old like... Calm so, down, miss. So kind then of it's like 50 slap. Is Jesus like on top of this ghost? <laughs> yes, Jesus's uh, penitent face is on top of this ghost. This is all I've ever wanted. We do not, by the way, have to take turns. Like that is not a rule of Monster okay. of the Week. Um, and I'm gonna say that one of the ghosts starts vibrating, and uh, this time a chair starts rattling in the corner. Um, I'm gonna take another swipe at that ghost okay, with roll, my brass. Roll the kicks, ass. Okay, we have a nine. So the same ghost? Yep. As you go to swing with your brass knuckles through this ghost, it's very weird where your hand doesn't feel any like resistance, like you're not hitting anything, but your spirit very much feels like you're carrying something with it. And the ghost kind of like fragments out into several different pieces and wah, wah, apart. So now there's more ghosts? No, 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 no. It like So that ghost is Understand my noises. It does the Voldemort at the end of Harry Potter. Okay, good. Understood. Um, so yes, it is gone. There's only one ghost left, and it's the one vibrating. And there's a chair that's vibrating. Is this the one that's wearing Jesus, or the one that's not wearing The one that is wearing Jesus. Um, so. I yell at Gal, take a swing with the crucifix! And I will do exactly that. Okay, we'll take it to that. Uh, eight. eight. Eight total. That is a... I'm going to count that, even though it's technically a mixed success with the, the crucifix. You swing it like a goddamn baseball bat. Like, this is Which a pretty... Which I also have one of those. This is a pretty sizable crucifix. And I'm so, as it goes through, the ghost looks down Wily Coyote style to find a crucifix-shaped hole in itself, and then it dissipates entirely. So, the, uh, the ghosts uh, go away, and the cat on the windowsill is like, Good! We got rid of the ghosts! Now we need to go stop their energy source. They're, they will come back, he says. Where's the energy source? I do not know. Let me out of this room, or I can get out of this room, but I can't kill the energy source. It's a living thing. You need to come with me. All right, so can I use my skeleton key to open up the door now that the ghosts are gone? <laughs> okay, so this is what happens. The, the cat is like, we need to get out of that magically, or the spiritually sealed door. I can provide a sort of... If we go into the other room, holy water, oh, you've already unlocked it. <laughs> so, Gal Capone, I'm going to put you on your feet for a second. Okay. If the supernatural is mostly hidden, why do you have a skeleton key for... So, like, what in your life has created a... Uh, so, I first entered the underworld via working for a god. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Sounds Pretty good. about right. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. And so goes, oh... Well, okay, and the, the, the cat hops off, and you can hear Roman like, I'd like to come with you, but I need to stay here and protect the witnesses. And Arthur's like, yeah, um, me too. <laughs> and so he stays. I mutter under my breath about men being useless, and then I tell Gal that it might not be a bad idea to take that crucifix with you. I've already, like, have it just, like, on my <laughs> shoulder. The cat goes, good, good, and he begins to walk out. Uh, can we stop by, like, a holding locker so I can get my... <laughs> 
my weapons. All right, so uh, the cat goes, I, I don't have this building memorized, but sure, we can look around. And as you are walking through like the the uh, hallways, you can see all of that litter beginning to sway around. It's very poltergeisty haunted house kind of stuff. Uh, benches are shaking, litter swaying around. Uh, out around a corner comes a, a uh, like a woman in a very nice pencil skirt and some tasteful pumps. And she is doing that same herky-jerky kind of walk that the bailiff was doing. Can I tap her with a cursor yeah. to see what happens? That's what I was just going to suggest. <laughs> like a little love tap, not like a like a full-on hit. So you, you go to uh, love tap her with a thing and you hear like a <laughs> and she just falls over. So she is not back like to herself, but she's also not possessed, uh, possessed anymore. Okay. If if that's the word you want to put to it. Um, uh, a couple more turns later, I don't have a map of this courthouse drawn, so I'm going to say you find the the uh, locker. It is firmly, uh, secularly, I suppose, locked, and you can see your baseball bat and original brass knuckles behind it, and the rest of my stuff because I yes. can't take guns in the courtroom. They probably, yeah, they probably took that somewhere. I don't know. Well, they put it in the locker. Why not? Let's make it easy. Can I? I have the bailiff's keys. Oh, shit. <laughs> Open that up, then. Does that work? Yes, it does. <laughs> I forgot you had the bailiff's keys. So, uh, Gal Capone, like, ain't no thing, just twirls the the key on her ring and, uh, Let's get it. Okay, roll for this. I want to see. I want to see how well this for goes. For what? Well, it's it's nothing bad, but I want to see Just how. Just a roll. I want to see how cool it is. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm uh, really add cool, cool to it. Why not? I'm, or cool or charm, whichever is higher. Let's do charm. I like that. Uh, Eleven. That's Jesus. gonna be a thirteen. <laughs> so spins it and just like there's thirty keys on this damn key ring. Spins it. Picks one, sticks it in, immediately unlocks the locker. Like, doesn't even have to do that. Um, let me see. Spins it, <laughs> opens the locker. You now have everything that you've assigned to yourself, your gear back. Is there anything else you'd like to look around for? Yeah, is there any stuff in any of the other lockers? There's quite a bit of stuff. <laughs> I'm a little flush after watching this, and I'm, like, fanning myself. <laughs> uh, is there anything in particular? Are you just looking for valuables or, like, contraband? So- I'm looking for valuables and contraband. Molly may be looking for other things. I'm looking to see if there's anything useful. Like, I lo- I've i lost my gun. I'm looking for my Your gun. Your gun is there. Okay, I grab my gun and then any Roman stuff. Okay, so in a, bar- in a box marked 034 or something like that, you, you pull it open and there's uh, a gun and a uh, silver dagger that's a little bit heftier than the one that Arthur has re-given to him along with a lighter and a can of aerosol. He also has a small little security baton, uh, two small, like, red pulsating uh, spheres, uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff as well. He's, a, he's, he's loaded for bear. Uh, and $30. I like All in fives, which is really weird. Muttering under my breath, this motherfucker, and just, like, start shoving stuff into my bag. Okay, so whichever, you find a bag in the security locker and you're shoving it in yeah. there. All right. So uh, uh, I will say, Gal Capone, you find, I, I don't have a loot table here or anything like that, but I would say probably, oh, geez, $600 worth of stuff on the black market, as well as several useful things that, when you think of them, we'll roll to see if you actually found them or not. Okay, but so possibly that's how we'll handle that. useful things. Possibly useful things. I'm trying to think of what is what is uh, contraband at a courthouse that isn't a gun or a knife. 
There's just like so many of those things that I just have like a duffel bag. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Um, All right. So now the cat's like, "Are you quite done yet?" Uh, yeah, all good. Earthly possessions. All good here. Uh, so as you you leave the the uh, the security lock, you can kind of kind of see the cat like pause (laughs) for a second. And it's not bloodhound like smelling the ground, but it is kind of like sending out. You can you can sort of feel it pass through your essence, like way like vibes to feel where this sort of ghost thing is coming from. Uh, while it is doing that, you see another spirit kind of rise through the floor. So it's the same hunchbacked arms together, uh, putting out an emotion of anger. Ghost in front of you. I feel like the cross was pretty yeah, effective. Yeah, let's deck it with a crucifix. Okay, deck it, deck it with a crucifix. I do appreciate they always pick the matching dice. Seven. Uh, seven. Plus, any tough? No. No. So I'm going to say you swipe through it this time uh, without the Jesus on its head. You do take a crucifix-shaped chunk out of it, but it melts together. It's, like, less dense now. It, it spreads its density out to cover that hole. And you can you can hear a uh, nearby bookcase that it goes up to the ceiling beginning to rattle. As it begins to rattle. Okay, I'm gonna. Um, was there anything of like religious significance in Roman's belongings that I knew? The same sort of like covering your bases, sort of holy implements. Not necessarily, I actually believe, but these yeah. have been blessed sort of implements. Okay, any that are bigger than my brass knuckles. You found a flask of holy water, and then uh, your pal here, Gal Capone, apparently has a baseball bat. So what would happen if I spritzed some holy water on the baseball bat? I would say that that baseball bat would become a holy baseball bat. <laughs> so my new friend Cal, can I borrow your baseball bat? Sure. Okay, so I'm going to sprinkle some holy water from my flask of holy you gotta water. you got to say at least one Catholic thing to go over this baseball bat. Um, oh, Father, I'm not driving, <laughs> hollow be thy name. My <laughs> kingdom come, thy will be done. Uh, it's been so the criminal- 16 years since my last confession. So the criminal and the special agent do their best to recite <laughs> at least one part of a Catholic mass uh, over this uh, baseball bat. And as you kind of feel like a, a, you know, when you're working a lawnmower or some other pull pull motor implemented thing, it's kind of like, wah, 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 wah. and so as you're stumbling through this thing, you can hear the, wah, 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 wah. but as you all say that, that word that ends most Catholic things, Amen. then you can hear it go, wah, 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 and it, 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 you feel the like the tingly holiness in your hands. All right, I tuck my flask of holy water back into my bag and like with good softball girl grip, just swing at this ghost with this holy bat. That's how I swung a bat. Well, okay, uh, I roll have two D6. Roll 2D6 for kick's mess. Uh, Six. Plus. Minus one. <laughs> so five. Uh, five to swing through this. So I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. Here's what happens is you're going to miss it, but in the gigantic, like, too big of a swing you took, you hopped out of the way, and the bookcase that was behind you collapses and shatters and everything onto the courthouse floor. Okay. Uh, so the the ghost begins to uh, shake and shimmer again, and you can see, like, a, a bench beginning to rattle. Take it again with the yeah, may as well. Uh, she seems to be the, the ass kicker here. Which is weird. Uh, seven. Plus nothing. Plus nothing. So you're gonna you're gonna get it through, but on a, on its way, it's going to leave you slightly chilled, and you're gonna be like, ooh, and and just for the next. No, it goes away. 
Uh, she she punches a, a crucifix or she swings a crucifix through it. But I'm gonna say for the next like forty five seconds, you are just gonna feel of game time. You are just going to feel the most despondent, like you have been. There is no hope, sort of stuff. Okay, so you kill it, but you you imbue this essence of hopelessness and I have no control over my life kind of feeling. So I'm counting on you for that. Because I want to So kill me this right now in real life. <laughs> Aww, <Aww>. Big mood. <laughs> um so the cat goes, Great, let's keep going. I found it. And and he begins to walk off. Uh as you begin to walk through, you hear some noises and you you look around to find Officer Miranda there with a taser in his hand and he's kind of like reloading that weird car a cartridge that comes in a taser and you see about like four or five people, some of them lawyers, some of them perps, and at least one other police officer with the taser wires. Is he dead-eyed? No, he is. He's like, what the hell is going on? So he's, he's reloading this taser and you can safely assume from the situation you see in front of you, He's tased a shitload of people. Um, I'm trying to think if there's a way that we can, like, incapacitate him so that we don't get tased. Uh, Should we try explaining this? What's happening to him? Mm, I don't know. He seemed like kind of a dick. I don't know if he deserves to know. But he was handsome. Um, He was... Pretty dang nice to you guys. Okay. In a good cop, bad cop situation. Okay. Um, I'm going to yell. Okay, so I yell out, uh, Officer Miranda. Detective. Detective Miranda. There's super, supernatural activity. We know how to fight it. Come with us. He goes, yeah, they're, whatever this, fine. And he kind of like plugs the thing back into his gun. So he's got a taser or a taser gun. He's got a billy club and he's got the he's Detective Stabler from... Is there another pair of brass knuckles in Roman stuff? No, in your stuff. In my stuff? Yes. Like, in addition to the one that I have. Yeah, so you could have two fists of brass knuckles. Okay, so I give one of those to Carlos Miranda. And he goes, these are mostly illegal, he says. And then as uh, another ghost rises through the floor, he goes, fuck it, and slips them on and decks this ghost and it disappears. Okay. So now we have a third person in our little Retinue. army. And the cat looks up and goes, hey. Selot is, I, I suppose, not a person. He continues uh, walking down. Uh, as you you get to a, a uh, stairwell and it, it, it's just getting like, the litter is flowing everywhere and the benches are beginning to move. Not, they're moving into the middle of the hallway, but also rattling back towards where like the, the center mass of the courtroom mm-hmm. would be. And Silat is, we, we have to hurry. Things are moving along. If we don't go, then this courtroom and us in it will be gone. Okay, so we start running? Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. So you start running, you start, uh, your grandpa shoes. What kind of shoes would Gal Capone wear? I feel like, what's the most nondescript thief shoe? I feel like chocks. Chocks. Like, those are a pretty good nondescript yeah. thief shoe. That's a pretty good one. Um, as you get to the door, you can feel it begin to, it rattles in its hole again. Uh, uh, the door to the stairwell that you are arriving at, you're, you're going to be going downstairs, Selah tells you. Uh, it begins to rattle in its hole again and is not happy about it. And even as, uh, uh Gal Capone unlocks it, it is still, like, sticky. Like, it doesn't want to open. I give it a tap with my baseball bat. Okay, and then you see, like, a crack in the sort of, uh, uh, uh sheen on it that you you know so there's a crack in it 
I give it another tap. With <laughs> okay, and it splits open. So uh, <laughs> the door swings open now, and uh, uh, you see uh, Officer Miranda or Detective Miranda kind of rubbing his hand because he was pulling on it really hard, and as he cracked it, it swung open into the door stop. And Sorry, so dude. He switches his brass knuckles to the other hand. He's like, "That's okay, <clears throat> just ghosts or whatever." Uh, and so you begin to run down the the stairwell, and it is just pitch black. You can hear going around here. It's getting more and more haunted the further down you go. All right, let's keep going. So you yeah. follow the cat really weirdly. You can see the cat's eyes, like Cheshire cat style. Uh, that makes sense. As it's going down and down and down. Uh, you can hear the walls around you, even though that these walls are made of cement and not the marble of the rest of the crow house. You can kind of hear like, they're creaking. Cement creaking is not usually a good sign, right? Uh, down and down and down. Yeah, <laughs> down and down and down. Do I have any sort of flashlight or anything on me? You do not, but the officer Miranda or Detective Miranda clicks one on okay. and he's got the mag light. So we can at least kind of see where we're going. Yeah. Um the cat suddenly peels off about at B two or whatever. There's a B three and four, but peels off and goes, This way, please. And as you run down the hallway, uh I'm gonna say another three ghosts appear in front of you. And these like they feel angrier. And the cat goes, these are the same ghosts. This is why we have to do this. They'll keep coming back and back and back again. Can I do some sort of, like, tag team with a Detective Miranda where we, like, come at the same ghost from either side with our brass knuckles? Okay. Roll for 2d6. Probably not, because I rolled a 4. So this is what what happens, is that you're like... How do you arrange this situation? <laughs> Let's punch this ghost at the same time. No, I just yell out, Detective Miranda! And then I assume that he knows what I'm going to do, <laughs> but he doesn't, and so I we it just kind of fails. Yeah, the ghost just kind of ducks, and then yeah. your two hands, like, respect knucks in the middle of the air. And uh, for your for your time, the, the ghost... This one's good. The ghost, since you rolled a kick some ass roll, uh, gets to harm you back and is Ooh, good. and is going to. Uh, it's had its hands together this entire time, as if it were handcuffed, and it is going to break the handcuffs and hit you both in the the head as it spreads its hands, hit you both in the face for one harm, and also you're all going to be pushed back to the stairwell and the door closes again because the power of releasing the handcuffs pushed you guys back. Shit! So we have and, to reopen the door. Well, no, you're on the other side. Okay. With your skeleton key. So, we're going to flip back to Gal Capone, who's faced with three ghosts. Yeah. Uh, you said I could see if I have anything useful. Do I have anything useful, or am I just... Um, you have a water bottle. Just regular water? Just a regular water bottle. Um... Make it holy. You're not there. Because the crook can do that. How do you... Don't you have to be a priest to make water holy? Not if you're a Protestant. What? Can you, can you dip the crucifix in it? <laughs> Just, like, try to, like, funnel it down and, like, see. Uh, fuck it. We'll throw some water on the crucifix and just go swing it. Okay, here's what happens. You uh, roll a regular kick some ass roll on your wet crucifix. Oofa doofa. Wow. Uh, you go, this isn't going to work. And you spread some water <laughs> on your wet crucifix and you swing it. And not only do you miss... But your lack of faith has prevented this water <laughs> from becoming holy. Uh, so you can see one of the ghosts begin to kind of rattle, and you can hear some extra creaking in the wall next to you. Okay, moving it back into the stairwell. 
All right, I'm going to run back towards Gal Capone. You got the door in front of you. And it's Shit. sealed magically, or spiritually. I'm going to like yell as loud as I can to see if I can get her attention. But we need the skeleton key. Or your baseball bat. That's oh, covered my baseball in holy water. Does that work against it a locked door? It did the last door? time. Okay, so I take a big old swing with my baseball bat at the door. Okay, I'm going to say, because of the price you're going to have to pay for this. The door, the sheen on the door opens, but from your big old swing, the wooden holy baseball bat that you have been using snaps. Okay. And so the door opens, but you have no more baseball bat. You have broken Gal Capone's prized baseball bat. How much did this mean to you? It was my first weapon ever. (laughs) It got me through my softball Little League tournament. I was the best hitter. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, the door is open, but you have a, a shard of a baseball bat, which I don't know if you know about pine baseball bats, but when they split, they get a little bit like pokey. You can shank people with that. Yep, I'm going to keep it. Okay, so... Plus it's still holy. What, what Gal Capone sees is just like snap of the bat as the door flies open the wrong direction, which is weird. And Molly rushes into the room with a sharpened bat and just shank at a ghost. And I'm not going to make you roll for this. Uh, dissipates one. Uh, okay, so is the one with the unclasped hands it was still? That okay. It was that one. Cool. All <laughs> right, so I'm going to try to sway my crucifix again. <laughs> okay. Like you're drying off your hands after an air dryer. Uh, that nice. would be an 11. That would be an 11. You Do you want to describe how you kill this ghost? Um, How is it positioned? It's like hunched. It, there's two shoulder me. to shoulder across the corridor. Okay. Um, so you've, you've got a pretty tight corridor and the two are shoulder to shoulder with their hands clasped and shunk the uh, strength and, uh, it's beginning to kind of look up at you very angrily. So I'm thinking like, do you want to swipe at it like vertically I'm going to do like the hay batter batter to the head move in honor of my fallen baseball bat. <laughs> All right. So you, you do the, the holy harm to it and it's, it's ghostly head is gone and then all of the ghostly gray matter just like homes down to the ground. Uh, as if a fountain or if a cup poured out or something like that, and you then you hear uh, Detective or Miranda kind of just give a good old backhand to the one ghost with the the, the brass knuckles and, and swipe it away. Okay, C-Lot. so these three ghosts are gone. These three ghosts. Uh, so Celot runs on. We follow him. Yep. Okay. Uh, as as you get to the end, you see like this weird sort of pulsating red light uh, from underneath the door. And Seelot kind of stops in front of it. It's in here. This is the place. Um, Is the door locked? Magically or otherwise? You don't see the same sort of sheen on it that you did on the other places. And then as you try it, the, the door handle turns. Is there anything you'd like to do to prepare before you enter this room? Ooh, should we bless all their, or should we put holy water on all the rest of our stuff? That'd probably be a good idea. Okay, I'm gonna, like, just sprinkle a little bit of holy water on everything that we have. So, so now everything is holy. Like, like the pine branch? Yeah. At a Catholic mass. Yep. So you're just sort of spraying everything, even down to uh, Detective Mar- uh, uh, Miranda. Miranda. Thank you. I have to keep wanting to see Martinez. Detective Miranda's taser. Uh, everything's a little bit wet with holy water. Okay, we head on in. May as well. Okay, you like open the door slightly, kick the door open, just like uh, go like you own the place. So Gal Capone's gonna like Sparta kick the door in because that's just kind of her. Okay, her Gal time. Capone uh, Sparta kicks the door in, and what you see is incredibly weird. 
it is just a normal boiler room but that pulsating red light you can trace back everything's very dark down there you can trace back that pulsing red light up into a gigantic heart and it takes about half the room this this it's a beating heart and every time it beats the red light pulsates. Is it like a like the an anatomical heart or like the heart shape? No, an atomical okay. heart. An atomical heart that is beating and pulsating. It's not like perfect. It's more amorphous, not amorphous, um, mal mouth shaped uh, than a normal heart would be. But it's it's beating, and every time it beats, that red light pulsates a little bit. And as you kind of you see the room, and there is a a man inside of it, and he his head is poking out, and his arms are poking out, and his legs beneath the knees. Uh, are poking out as well uh, and so this is continually beating and you can kind of see that one goes to flumps to the floor found style that gray matter kind of traveling on the floor back into the heart okay how far like above the ground is this heart uh the the janitor's feet are probably about the person who is in the heart's feet are probably about two inches off of the ground and then up to their knees so the the heart okay, is so it's like we can reach it yes okay um, uh, as you look around, you see other janitorial implements, which leads you to believe that this is the janitor. <laughs> like I said. Okay. Um, I'm going to move toward it and try to poke it with my baseball bat stick. My holy baseball bat shank. Okay. As you move towards it and you go to throw it in, you do create a pretty big hole in it. But as you drop back out, it, it scabs over. It's not like healing immediately. It's not like as good as new, but it begins to scab over and see lots like, No. It's mad at the system. Violence does not undo the system. Can we try to pull the janitor out? Okay, as you take the janitor's arms, I'm going to try and pull it out. I can't quite get there. He's stuck in his heart pretty well. What do... And the Silat's like, I can't tell you the answer right away because that's not how this works, but what do railroaded criminals want? Railroaded criminals want? This is the spirit. This is the heart of the spirit of justice not undertaken. Oh, revenge? It's gotten its revenge. It tried with the bailiff. Forgiveness, the cat says. Damn it. <laughs> and uh, uh, its ear falls off. Forgiveness for what? For doing a crime? They didn't do it. That's the point, the cat says. They were railroaded. To be railroaded, nobody understands words. And you can hear Arthur, like, shaking his head upstairs. Uh, to be railroaded, you're not given a fair shot, he says. I mean, so Gal Capone is a crook, so in her defense, she's never been... <laughs> she's never been falsely class. accused. She's, exactly. She's never been in law class, and she's never been falsely accused. So, who needs forgiveness? Well, me. <laughs> to be fair, and I you, was wrongly accused. And you see the heart begin to beat a little bit slower. Oh, are you supposed to forgive the system? No! <laughs> it wasn't my fault! The heart begins to beat a little bit slower. It wasn't my fault? I didn't do it? Mm -hmm. it, it continues on you've already unlocked that part of the key so it be, yeah. it's still beating at the same rate so, so i need someone oh so i okay i turn toward detective miranda and i say like 
I understand why you think I was involved in the arson because I was there, but I didn't do it. It wasn't me. And Miranda says, I, I agree. There's there's not enough evidence to point to you doing this thing. I, I looked at it and you were the plea deal on the same day you've been detained. That doesn't make any sense. And the heart begins to beat a little bit slower and slower. And the janitor starts to kind of like, Ooh. do you remember uh, what the judge said when the janitor wasn't cleaning up? He said that the public defense attorney was worse than the janitor. No. That was what I picked up. The janitor wasn't doing his job. That's why there's so much litter. Well, he was trapped in the heart. That's why there's so much litter. Maybe you could investigate a mystery or read a bad situation. Okay, I'm going to investigate a mystery. Nine. Nine? Uh, You don't want to? You're German? You get a hold two for investigate a mystery. Okay, I'm going to modify the what can hurt it, what can get rid of it. So as you take a look at it, you realize that every single time you've been talking about the system doing wrong about yourself, it's beat a little bit slower. So maybe instead of talking about yourself, you can talk about the janitor. This is why I gave you a notebook. That's another question you might be able to ask. What was it going to do? It was going... So the, the cat says, I think we're beating it. What? It's it, it's slowing down, but it's, we're still in danger. It still might take the whole courthouse with it. Poltergeist style. It's going to eat the courthouse. Okay. So... clear. So, okay, I'm still going to keep talking to Detective Miranda. Like, clearly the system is broken... All of the public defenders are completely overworked. They're just trying to get their clients to to take a plea deal so they can get on to the next case. Clearly, there's some things that are wrong here. Wom. Wom. The heart is being slower and slower. I don't know the next step forward that I need to take here. Does Miranda have to admit wrongdoing? No, Miranda has to look at... He looks at the janitor a little bit closer and he says, I know this guy. This I had to arrest this guy uh, on, like, possession charges, but the the stuff he was possessing, he had never even, like, you know, had it in his system before. And so it's it's a little bit shaky on whether or not he had it or, like... So why was he... Why was he arrested for a crime that there wasn't solid evidence that he committed? Well, he wasn't lucky enough to have a frat party arrested for him. He went to he went to holding, and if I remember correctly, it was like five six months before he got his his date in court. And by that time, it was time served. He took the plea deal. So people keep being wrongly imprisoned or wrongly held for things that they didn't do because the system isn't working. And you see the the heart, it, it stops beating, but it is now just a light. It, it is there, but it is a light, and the janitor's kind of like, ooh, stirring to life. Okay, can we pull him out? As you, yeah, so as you grab his hands, he begins to unstick a little bit more. As he unsticks, the heart starts to scab over again. So the heart is still there, but the janitor is out. Okay. Can I take some of the water bottle that I had and, like, give him some water? Yeah, he you, seems like he needs You try it. and wake him back to life. So Gal Capone is taking care of the falsely accused janitor. This heart that spawns ghosts is still there, though. Okay. I'm going to try poking it again with my... Okay. 
now that you have you have rid it of its uh, uh, systematic hatred and it's it's the unfair vibe because ghosts are created out of a terrible passion. We all know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that you have rid of its terrible terrible passion, you take the the baseball bat, shattered baseball bat, and you stab it through the heart, and you hear kind of like a and the the ties to the top of the jander and the bottom of the jander's uh, room uh, snap and the heart starts to fall but before it can fully land it just sort of uh, turns into ash and, and evaporates and, and no you, more ghosts and you can see that that ghostly mess that was coming towards the heart uh, fall back through the floor again and is gone and see the lot goes this courthouse is clean why is he now an voice queen and he goes listen it's a movie quote from poltergeist it's not my fault you haven't seen it. It was a reference, he says. It's a shitty reference. You're a <laughs> shitty reference. Yeah, I'm a crooked. Okay, now that the heart is gone, I kneel down to take a closer look at this cat. Because I want to see... I feel like there's something more to the story with Seelot. And so, I want to investigate the mystery of Seelot. I guess roll the 2d6 if you're investigating the mystery of a cat. I got a six. six. So I believe that's nothing. So as you look down, the, the cat is very stone-faced. It's dead. It has lost an ear when it started telling you, like, uh, flat out what is happening. Mm-hmm. And so it goes, listen, I, I don't want to lose another ear, but I can explain everything. I don't want to be here. How can we help you not be here? I, we have to kill or end the person who brought me here. And who's that? And he looks in, and he, he says, Merrick Zong of Broken Brown Arrow brought me here. He raised that mummy that night. He used me to raise that mummy when you... And he sees Gal Capone's confused look and he's like, there was a mummy. It's fine. And he... I'm a demon cat. Mummies, whatever. You've served a god. I know. And so he goes, I don't want to be here. They raised me. They brought me here and used me. If I am going to get out of this form and he looks down at the cat, that is falling apart. We need to end Broken Brown Arrow. Is that something that you are interested in? Uh, I take a minute to explain to Gal Capone about um, my most recent adventure in which a witch was kidnapped by the Broken Brown Arrow cult. And they have a, a thing against everything supernatural. Yeah. And I say, yep, sure, we'll help you. And I look at Gal and ask if she's into. May as well. I don't have anything better going on. So the cat goes, great, that was a quick turnaround, but we need to head upstairs because there's a lot we need to square away here. So as you move upstairs, all of the stuff that was switched around, the, the jander is left in good hands with Detective. Uh, actually, right. no, Miranda's going to bring the jander with him. So okay. He's going to take him up and it's like, weirdly strong arms. Uh, weirdly strong arms. And he's going to carry him up to the, the, the courtroom where everything began. As you're wa- marching through the rest of the courthouse you saw, Nothing is moving or flying around anymore. However, it is just a mess. You can see that nearly all of the papers and the gum wrappers and the chairs have been uh, put at kind of what might be the center mass of the courthouse. And you can see a tiny little divot in the middle of the courthouse. So you can safely assume that if this had been allowed to continue, the courthouse might have just like compressed into itself. So that was the the reference I was making from Poltergeist 2 as well, I should say. Um, You guys need to watch more scary movies. Only with people who are funny. Oh. <laughs> wow. Um, but as you move back into the courthouse, the cat, everyone is kind of like scared and the, the bailiff is now sitting up and he's, what? What happened? And uh, 
the cat hops back up onto the bench. And he goes, listen, I have, I'm going to give my witness testimony. I've been sworn in. I've affirmed my oath. I was there the night that the warehouse burns down. Uh, Roman and Molly did not do it. I saw who did it. It was not them. I was there as an eyewitness person. The human being that I am was at the, and you can see kind of like, uh, another flap of skin kind of fall off this cat and not the end of the tail, but the middle of the tail kind of becomes deep skin. And so it's like gross under skin and a little bit of bone flying off. And the human that I am was there to see it. And I witnessed this. It was not them. Nothing happened. And Molly, uh, and, uh, Gal Capone, you can kind of feel like you weren't there either, but you know, you have interacted with this cat in more detail. And very weirdly, deep in your brain, you can feel like a tug of memory trying to get implanted, like that this is a person and that this was a person the whole time. And Molly, you remember back to that night at the warehouse and you're like, was there a person there watching us the whole time? And you two are able to kind of shake it off and say, no, there wasn't. But pieces of this cat are still falling off as it's doing this thing. And by the time it's done talking, everybody in the courtroom is just like, Oh, yeah, no, they they didn't do it at all. Can I, like, aside to the cat and be like, hey, can you also say that you were there on Mulberry Street and that I didn't steal a bunch of stuff? <laughs> and then uh, the cat kind of squares him. <laughs> Gal Capone is also in- innocent, and you can see the skin covering one of its paws just sort of evaporate into the air. Thanks, bud. Yeah, it says, and then it hops all the way from the bench into the window sill and goes, I will see you back, or I see you again, and it goes through the window. Uh, and hops down off of the windowsill, and everyone in the courthouse just like, kind of does that deep breath. We've just woken up, except for Arthur and Robin, who are also like looking around because they also resisted this memory thing. Just kind of looking at everybody else and trying to also pretend like they're just as confused <laughs> as everyone. And then everyone, the judge just goes, "Um, adjourn," and that's it. All right. Okay, are you, you're going to, Arthur kind of leans down and says, uh, Molly, we should head back to headquarters, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like we have a lot to talk about. Um, I invite Gal Capone to come with us because I feel like she's an important part of this debriefing. Gal Capone, you going with? So you are piled back into Toyota Highlander after you receive all of your stuff back along with, do you return the bejeweled crucifix? No. Okay. So uh, why would, would I return ever? that? It's useful. Gal Capone returns with a, a bejeweled crucifix <laughs> on her shoulder and it to a Toyota Highlander. You drive back across the river, uh, back to the this really nondescript sort of long brick building. Uh, you go back uh, halfway across the river because you're on the island. Uh, halfway or back to this nondescript brick building where the only thing on it is barely a. Uh, a logo saying Pinedale Investigative Supernatural Services. You walk back up from the uh, the underground parking, take the elevator up, and and head back to this office. And uh, Molly, as you get in, you realize that Arthur's desk is once again the whorls on it. Whorls on it are different, and the cat is sitting on Arthur's desk. Okay. Um. So I feel like I immediately need to explain to Arthur, like the cat is not what we thought it was. This all has to do with the broken brown arrow. Yeah, and then Arthur goes, no, I the cat's cool, right, cat? And cat kind of shrugs his shoulders. And he's like, I, you punched the damn cat, Molly. I tried to tell you not to, and you punched it. 
Okay, well, before we thought the cat was evil and we were bound to determine that we needed to catch it. Okay, Sorry goes, it takes me a while to catch up. And he goes, okay, that's that's fine. I'm happy we got you out of that situation and that no more legal ramifications will come to you. I'm sorry that Detective Miranda won't remember what you went through. Uh, you're, he, he will be around and he seems like a good guy, but he's not going to be a connection for us anytime soon. Maybe someday he could be. Um, and so the cat looks deader than it was before. And it's talking. It's like, no, I did that for everyone. Looking very pointedly at Gal Capone. You're welcome. I don't count on that. Like, I can't do that willy nilly. If I fall apart in this physical form, which I am obviously doing every time I use magic, the bigger the magic, the more the falling apart. I can't go home. He says, Demons can die. I don't want to die. Okay. That's pretty understandable, right? It's fair. What if we put you in the freezer for a little while? Will that help? <laughs> Try me, he says. <laughs> uh, Just a suggestion. So, you, your, your legal troubles have been resolved. You found out that this warehouse you found the, the, uh, the mummy at has burned down. I'm not going to do the voice, but talking to the cat, you've you've learned that Broken Bound Arrow had summoned him, right? Had, mm -hmm. like, done the ritual. They're this really weird combination of anti-supernatural wizards, where, like, they are or cultists, where they use the supernatural to beat the supernatural in order to end the supernatural. And so this, this demon, which is not happy about being summoned in the first place, was used to raise a mummy. That mummy was going to wreak havoc. Mm -hmm. And Pinedale Investigative had somehow found out about it. Uh, and gone to put an end to it, but had escaped catching the demon cat, uh, of which he is very happy because he probably wouldn't have listened to him at the time. Uh, and so Broken Brown Era poses a large threat in this town of using demons and other sort of monsters to end the protective nature of the supernatural in Pinedale. Okay? And as the cat is finishing this up, you hear a click-clacks of, of uh, high, high heels, and around the corner comes Elva with her tight curls and her high cheekbones. And she turns the corner and looks surprised for a split second. And then she goes, oh, hello, Silat. And Silat, the cat, looks at Elva and goes, hello, Kamakao. It's been a while. Episode end! All right. Uh, so, so that's she's it. also an ancient demon? Listen, I don't want to get into it now. She's also an ancient Yeah, that demon. sounds like a two ancient demons. So, uh, Katie, thank you for coming over to yeah. play with us. I'm sorry. You're sorry? Yeah, I don't know. That's just what I always say. Okay. You just apologize for anyone having to interact with me. With me, more like it. Um, but that was... Doesn't he say that at the end of every workday? All right, kids. Have a good day. Sorry. <laughs> I might except, start saying that. Though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> except to half the class for yeah. the other half of the class. Um, that is going to do us for this episode of uh, Molly's Monsters. Amicus was pretty brief, I have to say. We got through it quickly uh, thanks to mixed awesome hints. Mm -hmm. Very obvious of always what you're supposed to do. Not convoluted or anything at all. Anyway, it's topical. Um... My, uh, we should do the wrap-up thing, I suppose, that we usually do. So every piece of music that you heard in this uh, uh, episode was probably uh, done by Louis Zong. And if not, here's where I tell you the next person. Okay, uh, that, those were the possible people that gave music to this episode. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dickima. I'm at Susan J. I don't have Twitter. Damn it, I was hoping to finally find it out. <laughs> 
Um, and you can follow the podcast at Bibliovile. B-I-B-L-I-O-V-I-L-E. That was probably easy to listen to. Uh, so thank you for stopping by. Be sure and share this with your friends. Try and count the number of law references I had in here. By the way, the, the witnesses' names that you didn't talk to were Mary Scalia. She was the one with the Bible. Earl Berger. Sam Warren. Lauren Marbury. And Trevor McCullough. So every single one of them named after a Supreme Court justice mm-hmm. or a Supreme Court case. I love all of you, and this is the end. Bye. <laughs>